0: Welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are, today we are continuing our strike uh, supporting coverage of Ahsoka. So it is episodes recording right as Ahsoka comes out. But they're not going to be released until after the strike. And so, if in between now, the time of recording and the time that they're released, we learn that Ahsoka was actually a a hut all along in disguise or that the actor of somebody secretly believes in Romanian space balloons or whatever it is. We won't know about that, but it probably won't be a big deal. Anyway, we're just talking about the show as it comes out. I'm joined by my co-host for these episodes. As for many star Wars things, Aaron McGowan, lady Tano creates taking some time before they head off to dragon con to be Ahsoka in all her glory. i much the, one of the best geek gatherings in, in creation. Uh, How how are we doing today? How did we like this episode? Uh,
1: Episode was amazing. Um, Lots of action. I liked, I mean, Ahsoka just fighting people on the wing of a ship is so iconic. Mm -hmm. It's so very Clone Wars. Like, remember when her and Anakin did that? That was so cute. So, I don't know. I loved that. It was funny. I liked and appreciated the continuation of Sabine being like, yeah, I don't have access to the force. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And Ahsoka's like, just do it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it it's a really interesting episode and it's I really like how they're pushing you know one thing I've kind of resolved to is, is not to get too into the kind of like internet debates and like the reason why people hate things and stuff like that when it's mm-hmm. I mean it's totally fine to not like whatever, but you know, the the internet haters that, that Star Wars can often generate. But I appreciate that they are trying to First of all, they're not holding back anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're they're doing the stuff that is probably going to make some people angry for dumb reasons. And they're doing it. They're not caring. But as you said, it's all based on things. You know, people be like, oh, my God, Ahsoka fighting with a lightsaber on the wing of a ship that could never happen. No, it happened in Clone Wars. You know, yeah, they're referencing you know, the same old Mary Sue nonsense that Ray got, um, you know, when people can come along and be like, well, how how is Sabine so good with a weapon or, at all? But she's a Mandalorian. She, mm-hmm. She's a Mandalorian. You know, she and not only that, she was trained by Kanan to use the Darksaber. Like she's been yeah. through this before. There's a lot of that basis there. And, yeah, I thought this episode was just a lot of fun. It didn't. I love the fight scenes. I'm just so interested in the world building and the characters. And I felt like we didn't get very much of that. But Mm -hmm. it it felt like we moved some pieces into place to be able to really move things forward pretty fast.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. Like, the description of the episode said, like, Hera deals with New Republic politics while Ahsoka and Sabine Wren, like, do something else. And I was like the episode ended and i was like oh okay like we really only got like those two scenes with Hera, like arguing with the senators Mm -hmm. which i mean valid there's probably not much more that they had to show but yeah i agree like i enjoy that like world building or like the politics i did really enjoy seeing Mm -hmm. jason
0: yes yeah jason exists so so let's go through it i'm gonna assume that We've talked a lot about how this show is a, is very much like a continuation of Rebels, and I know a lot of people haven't seen Clone Wars, haven't seen Rebels. I'm going to assume that by the time this has come out, there's been enough other stuff out there that has filled you in on some of those details, but we'll fill you in on some of it, uh, especially who is this Jason person who Aaron was uh, t- so excited about. But let me kind of start by just giving you a quick plot summary, both for those people who maybe saw this when it came out. It's now been a couple months. They don't remember the details. Or even if, like, I do think it's a very good show, I encourage people to watch it, but if you're not gonna watch it, you wanna just follow us along instead, that works too. So uh, I'm not gonna remember the exact order in which these things happen, but there's a couple different storylines. It all starts with, we know that the the Empire is looking for Thrawn, and we know that Imperial agents have kind of penetrated into a lot of the New Republic. And then a lot of the former Imperial agents who've taken this loyalty pledge are not so loyal, and they attacked some of our heroes, and so Hera goes to see some of the real leaders of the New Republic to talk to them about this. And uh, includes Mon Mothma, which is awesome to see. Her actress was in uh, Andor. She's also been in a couple of the other things. She was the voice of Mon Mothma in some of the um, animated stuff. Mon Mothma being the – the, I think it's a president, but – no, it's chancellor, She's a I chancellor. believe. But, yeah, it's the head of the New Republic. And with her, a couple of other senators – And so in that storyline, Hera's trying to, as as Aaron mentioned, let them know Thrawn is back and that we're going to this planet called Denab, where we need to try to stop whatever these new people are doing to try to find Grand Animal Thrawn. So Mon Mothma has the attitude of, of sympathy, like she would love to help, but there's just too much to do and they can't really do anything. Senator Ziano is a lot more antagonistic. He's one of the sort of advisors and his position is that, look, the war is over. We don't want to restart the war. He doesn't really want to believe that the, you know, he's like, they took a loyalty pledge. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. He's very much like the, the head in the sand character. And so eventually she gets told she can't get any of the resources she wants. The New Republic's not going to help. Everyone's on their own. Meanwhile, Hera and Sabine are traveling to D'Nab to try and figure out what's going on. Uh, which droid man's name? David Tennant?
1: Um, he, Hu Yang.
0: Okay, I want to call him the doctor, the Jedi Doctor, but it's not accurate. <laughs> um, so Hu Yang. Uh, so he's with them, and he starts to sense that there's some very large object that's in space as they're approaching. It's not a Star Destroyer. They're not sure what it is. They're attacked by these fighter craft. There's two groups of three, one of which is led by shin who's a kind of blonde not sith but the apprentice to balin and then the other is by the inquisitor um and there's a great space battle uh, as they're attempting to shoot down the ghost uh seymour the ghost in action was just fantastic for those who remember it from rebels mm-hmm. uh sabine works in the the tail gunner and at first like her and ahsoka are kind of like working across purposes but eventually they figure out how to work well together mm-hmm. They almost win the fight. Shin damages the ship, but not enough. And Morgan kind of gets on her about that. Uh, they fly closer. And they realize that it is the huge hyperspace ring we saw being constructed. There's more fighting. As, as you mentioned, Ahsoka goes out on the wing of the ship while Sabine is piloting it. She does some great lightsaber stuff and uh, destroys a bunch more of the ships. Uh, Shin then is mad at Morgan because even Morgan is not able to destroy her <laughs> with the lasers of the uh, cannons. But they do wind up still having the ship, the ghost damaged enough that they crash on the planet of Deneb And in the final scenes, we see Balin talking to these. Uh, I, I think they might be purge troopers. I'm not sure exactly what. They're kind of like alien. Uh, they might be droids. They might be people. But they speak an alien language we haven't really heard much before. Uh, and he's ordering them to go hunt down uh, the two people who crashed and kill them so that the plans mm-hmm. can proceed. Oh, and we also learned that the hyperspace ring... Is it, it's basically, if you remember in the Clone Wars movies, particularly in Attack of the Clones, Obi-Wan like flies his little kind of fighter ship into this big ring and then the ring is what transports him through mm-hmm. hyperspace. And I think Dooku has something similar. Uh, it's a ring like that but on a gigantic scale that no one's seen before and that the, the in theory it should be able to, as the Jedi did once eons ago, transports people not only through the galaxy but to another galaxy mm-hmm. through hyperspace. Um, and I think that's the, oh, and the other, other last big detail is that while we are in the middle of the spice fight, uh, part of how the ghost gets away is by flying through the purgle, the Mm -hmm. space whales who are presented in a really kind of like epic majestic way that we'll discuss, but they are the, the, the purgle or, or the space whales. And, uh, for those who didn't see it, it's been referenced that, uh, The reason why Ezra and Thrawn have both disappeared is that they were basically taken away by these space whales at the end of uh, the last episode of Rebels. That's Mm -hmm. what these creatures are. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's my summary. What did I miss?
1: I think you got most of it. I mean, we already talked about Jason, the Pergil.
0: Uh, Oh, Jason. So, yeah, quick mention. We see Jason towards the end. Jason is a small child. He's got green hair. And he looks – he doesn't have um, Leku, mm-hmm. but his skin coloring is kind of similar – a little bit similar to um, Hera's, but not really. And if you've seen Rebels, you know he's the child of Hera and Kanan, who was her lover, who was – they're kind of – they I don't think they ever officially got married that we saw on screen, but they, yeah. were, they were life partners for sure. Mm-hmm. And he was the Jedi who was training Ezra.
1: Yeah. And he did get a little mention in this episode um, – If you caught it, yeah, because Hera was talking about Thrawn is, like, an intense adversary, like, we need to pay attention to this, like, it's not something to be ignored, like, he's not like other Imperial admirals, you know, he's killed people that I consider Mm -hmm. family.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, so not mentioned by name, but definitely mentioned in an important way. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the stories uh, one by one. So first of all, what did you think of Hera and the the kind of insight into was happening in the New Republic?
1: Yeah, I mean, it just felt, like, typical. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, the Rebels asking the larger people for help, or, like, Rebels, quote, quote, or, you know, like, the small squadron, it not mm-hmm. being provided, whether we're talking about Rogue One, whether we're talking about countless episodes of Clone Wars, or Rebels, where they ask for backup and it's not given.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that. I Like, it was great seeing Mon Mothma on screen, but I think that, that that scene in that plot line was probably the thing that most dis- disappointed me about the episode because mm-hmm. it just felt very felt very repeated and i felt like we didn't really get more of the reason why you know like often yeah. as you said it's presented as like well you know An- from anakin's perspective there's no reason to do this but if we know the whole picture maybe we can understand in this senator ziano especially just seems like a cardboard cutout of he's got his head in the sand and he mm-hmm. doesn't know what's going on and so our heroes have to struggle on and yeah. like we've seen enough in Mandalorian to understand that the New Republic's resources are really stretched thin and people aren't happy with the decisions they're making I, I I get why they didn't want to do much of that yeah. because to people who aren't like me the politics is not the thing that they're super excited for mm-hmm. but I think I kind of wish they either had gone a little further and made it more of a relevant interesting like a plot line that made sense or it had just been like Hera just says to them like I talked to the the council and they said no you know and they just didn't give us the scene Mm
1: -hmm. which I mean maybe they'll come back around to it maybe that Senator Ziano you said maybe Mm -hmm. he's like an important character later on and they needed to introduce him in some way as a head in the sand type um, trope but yeah I agree it wasn't I don't know it was just like okay Cool, I guess. But yeah, it definitely didn't stick out to me as far as Mm -hmm. in the episode. I mean, certainly him being that head in the sand,
0: like, I think it's certainly plausible that he is actually an Imperial agent in some way. Totally. Um, Which would be a little disappointing because I kind of, I prefer the story of the government that's trying to do its best, but it's just having real problems. But Mm -hmm. that would also help explain the kind of cartoonish level of of you know idiocy from him so
1: but you did make a good point about like the mandoverse kind of how Mm -hmm. if you've been watching along the other shows even like book of boba fett like you know the new republic really ain't you know crap like it really is doing maybe its best but it's really not effective and so yeah i guess there wasn't a huge need to like be overbearing and clarify that more other than it's just like okay here are the people you know as you can see like there's a real council there's senators and they're trying but as you can also Mm -hmm. see they don't have resources to do much
0: yeah yeah i think it's very true very true yeah uh all right let's talk about uh, some of the more fun uh parts of the show so something i didn't even mention but we do get to continue sabine's training as a jedi Mm -hmm. or at least as a force user uh and uh it's not going the best uh how would you think about how it was uh what we got in that that storyline this episode
1: yeah, I mean it just felt realistic, right? Mm-hmm. Like she hasn't practiced anything with lightsabers in a long time. They do the classic, you know, cover your eyes, try to fight your adversary. Yeah, doesn't work well.
0: Um, it, it's pretty much the. It's it, it's not exactly the same, but it looks very much like the helmet that uh, Obi Wan has Luke put on in the first movie. Totally. Of New Hope.
1: Yeah, it's very similar. Um, but yeah, I would say I. I appreciated those scenes because even though it's, like, it didn't seem like much was done, like, here's a few things she tried didn't work, but Mm -hmm. it was a good, like, clarification of where, like, Ahsoka and Sabine are at with one another. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sabine's frustrated. She doesn't feel like she's doing well, but she does take a moment to clarify and say, like, I'm going to do my best or, like, I'm going to give this my best try yeah and i feel like ahsoka like recognizes that and is like yeah maybe the training's not going as well as we wanted as hu yang points out
0: mm-hmm. but like
1: yeah if i give her space she's determined enough like she's a mandalorian she's stubborn yeah she's gonna very figure much it so. out
0: yeah hu yang is um very like c3po would often state really terrible things but at least have some sympathy he's just like well it, it's just the truth the, the yeah. truth is she's worse than any candidate than that I've ever any seen. any battle on ever yeah, It was funny. <sighs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so then we get uh, the space battle and all of that, which, as you said, uh, talk a little bit more about what, what it meant to you seeing Ahsoka like fighting, fighting with a lightsaber out on that ship wing.
1: Uh, it was just so cool. I will take this moment to say I didn't mention it last week, but her Leku are incredible. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. The fact yeah. that they listened to the feedback from the Mandalorian and extended the Leku, like... Even just those few inches, of course, they're not as long as they were in Rebels, but like I've mentioned before on this podcast, as far as Togruta anatomy goes, depending on the stress and level of like trauma in your life, your Leku Mm -hmm. can shrink with age. Right. So like, that's very plausible to me, but it's not just those stubby little, the way she looked in season one of the Clone Wars, because I really hated those Leku. Um, So I'm very (laughs) happy that they gave her a better set for this show
0: um well and i want to ask because you now are we know you're a cosplayer we've done a whole episode with you on that my understanding is that part of the reason why they made them shorter was because for rosaria dawson the actress to wear them like the longer they are the heavier they are and the harder it is for her to move with them Mm -hmm. um as someone who has now cosplayed and worn leku a couple of times yourself uh what sympathy do you have for that particular argument
1: I, i mean honestly not much like I really okay. don't because okay. it's like the ability of like props and prosthetics these days like you could have made them longer mm-hmm. like have you like literally back in the prequels we had like Shock T fighting not super intense sh- fights but we saw her fighting her like who are like four feet long you know mm-hmm. so it's like I know you guys know how to do this and it's been 20 some years you can yeah. definitely find a lighter material that's still flexible you can definitely find a way to secure it to her head so, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I always saw that as an excuse. Just okay. looking That's at fair. prosthetics throughout all of fin- film right now, and all of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Like, look at Lord of the Rings. Like, there's just incredible things that you can do.
0: Right. That's so
1: fair. I was glad they, like, put their minds to it because mm-hmm. I believed yeah. that it was possible the whole time.
0: <laughs> okay. That's fair. I-, I will say, and this is not to discount anything you say, mm-hmm. I literally, like, I-, I-, I rewatched those episodes uh, uh of Mandalorian recently and then, of course, watched this last night, didn't notice a difference. Like, it just does not. Really? That, that's a detail that my brain just does not catch in the slightest. It. it so wow. I remember being kind of baffled that it was something people were bothered by because it seemed so insignificant. But also hearing you, especially for someone who is cosplaying it, hearing about why it's so significant and how how it does change how you see the character definitely does, does mean a lot to me.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I hadn't watched Rebels when I first watched The Mandalorian. So Mm -hmm. I was a little confused as to Ahsoka's characterization, because she changes Mm -hmm. a lot um, between Clone Wars and that show, uh, Rebels. Um, And then again, until Mandalorian, but I was just kind of like, I don't connect with this character. Like this, you're telling me it's Ahsoka. This is a Mm -hmm. face I've never seen before. The skin color is a little different than I'm used to, like, on screen, like animated. And these Leku look nothing, they're not the right color, they're not the right length, they're barely the right shape. Like, it just didn't feel like her when I saw her in The Mandalorian. So it was like, okay, this is kind of like, in my mind, those were separate Ahsokas. Like, obviously the same, but it's like, this is a separate actress, this is not the character that Ashley built. This is something new and different, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, could go either way as far as animation to live action. Like, of course, you want to put your own into the character character. But there's certain ways that you can do it that are more smooth. Like I said in the on the last episode last week, um, like the characterization of Sabine, it's incredible. And like that actress had gone out and said, like, yeah, like I'm taking a lot of notes from the show, but I'm gonna make Sabine my own. Like I don't want to do a carbon copy. And Mm -hmm. she did a really great job, in my opinion, because that character feels exactly the same. Yeah. Now, if I had seen Rebels before I first ever saw. Ahsoka and the Mandalorian. I probably would have understood and felt that the character was more similar than I felt it was yeah. at the time. But yeah, yeah you,
0: saw, you saw version one and version three, and I'll say exactly when I when I first saw Rebels and saw Ahsoka in that. At first, she did seem odd, to, and the biggest thing was that her face looked so different, so different. And I had to remind myself it's because she's aged. She's not a child. She's mm-hmm. now someone in her probably like earlier mid twenties. Uh, or whatever's the equivalent, because I think we shouldn't assume that like all species age at the same rate. But she's they definitely no a little long- longer
1: than humans, but not that much. Yeah.
0: she starts basically as a tween, and then by the end she's kind of a mid to late teenager, and now she's an adult. And and yeah, so it totally makes sense the how how those transitions can happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, it was it was definitely a really fun fight scene. It's it went a little longer than I would have liked, and I kind of felt like I at least wanted to see Shin and the Inquisitor. They seemed like they were better pilots than the others, but I didn't get any sense of the, like, you know, we've seen that that force-sensitive pilots are just able to do mm-hmm. incredible things. And some of that's like Anakin and Luke were some of the very best, but like most of the Jedi, you know, certainly Plo Koon or, you know, some of the others who, when they were piloting, uh, were were really able to do pretty incredible things. And I felt like if we're going to get Shin and in the Inquisitor in in those ships for... Like, I don't think we saw them at all outside the ships this episode. I, I would have liked to do have them do something that's more, like, the Force-related rather than... Because it, it didn't seem like they were better aiming or, like, doing anything else. They survived when yeah. everyone else didn't. So I guess that's better, but...
1: Yeah. I think it's really funny that you brought up Plo Koon being that he's the only Jedi who had an on-screen death where he was flying a ship. So maybe I mean, he wasn't that great at it, Matthew. <laughs> you know, Or, you know, and- maybe the Wolfpack is just 12 out of 10 pilots. You know,
0: I don't think we can say, oh, well, Plo Koon got punked. So that's an indicate. you know. True, true. Be- I, I I try as hard as I can not to downgrade those movies when I'm speaking to those who love them as much as, as I know you and others do. I, I just never bought any of the deaths in, yeah. in Order 66. None of them made any sense to me. Um, but putting that aside. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just make, yeah, because again, Plo Koon, we saw him, like, use the force while piloting. Um, he just, like, he shut off the force that day. He was on vacation. He, yeah. he was eating a sandwich. Yeah. that That's why, that's why the wolf pack got him. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so what else in this episode stood out to you?
1: The little exchange after Hu Yang goes down, and mm-hmm. Sabine's like, oh my god, Hu Yang is down. I got it." and Ahsoka's like, yo, prioritize. Yeah. She's like, yeah. he's fine, leave him. Sabine's like, leave him? Leave him, Sabine, I need you to prioritize right now, fix the ship like I'm going mm-hmm. outside.
0: Yeah. And
1: Sabine's like, "Wait, where are you going?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was So I definite. thought that it kind of showed like the difference also that Chopper has made in like the Phoenix Squad's lives, I feel like. Mhm. Cuz yeah. like, of course, Ahsoka grew up with R2D2 and C3PO, but it's been a long time and she probably hasn't had many like close droids and like even Hewing, someone who is close to her, like. I guess yeah. I take back what I was saying. She has had a lot of droids in her life that she's close with. But being Mm -hmm. that she's older and more experienced, she's already learned to prioritize in high stress moments and not be like tripped up by this. And I feel like that's something she's teaching Sabine.
0: You know, and during the strike, I I did a couple of episodes, particularly one with Danielle about a book called Rise of the Red Blade, where it talked a lot about uh, Jedi uh, Padawans and those who like both understand and are struggling with what it means to not form attachments. And... That it doesn't have to be as extreme as the, like, don't have feelings for anyone ever. Mm-hmm. But that part of it is not to allow your feelings for one individual to overwhelm your general sense of, like, the needs of all and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And, and the needs of yourself and those who are still still with you. And mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what Ahsoka shows. Is Ahsoka is the, I, I care about Hu Yang. I want him to be doing well. But I do not have an attachment to him. Mm-hmm. And so I am able to remember that, yes... At a later point, I will think about the fact that he might be damaged, he might even be destroyed, and that would suck. But my focus is on we have to win this battle, or else none of it matters.
1: Yeah, you can't bring him back if you're dead, too.
0: That's something she kind of (laughs) said. Exactly, exactly. So one thing I want to bring up is I really like that we learned more about the hyperspace ring. Uh, Especially because early in the episode uh, last time, I don't remember if it was episode one or episode two... But they were kind of speculating on what could be happening. And someone specifically mentioned like interdimensional travel. And I kind of like got my haunches up there because one thing I really like about Star Wars is that for the most part, we don't do time travel mm-hmm. with the exception of a little, little bit in in World Between Worlds. And that's how Ahsoka misses the uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars uh, trilogy mm-hmm. set of movies and why she's not in the war against the Empire. But that's the whole other story. But for the most part, we haven't done that. We haven't done alternate realities. We haven't done different dimensions. And there was a little bit of that. And and I was like, no, guys, guys, Thrawn is just from a different galaxy or like the edge of a galaxy. We don't need to do that. And so this time they were just like, oh, no, 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 no. It used to be that, like, we could travel between galaxies. And that's what this is doing. I was like, phew. A sigh
1: of relief, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't expect Star Wars to be hard science fiction. This is a world – this is space opera. This is fantasy, space wizards and laser swords. But that was just a door I didn't want to cross. And so having this – because I think they also – like, you know, there have been comments made about the Thrawn from the EU books and the Thrawn from the new books and the Thrawn from Rebels don't all line up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I admit, I was a little worried that they were going to use some sort of interdimensional, like, these are three different Thrawns in three different oh. dimensions. And I was like, no, 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 no. So I was just glad that they were like, nope, Thrawn's just, like, in a different. Yeah. And, and the Purgles are supposed to be kind of, like, like breaking the laws of time and space, and that's fine. But just, we, we, we kind of like, nope, this is not, this is not, uh, we're not having a multiverse here. And I was like, okay, yeah. cool, then, then I'm fine, then I'm fine.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I would not have liked that. I mean, I didn't even consider that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like... (laughs) And I think the Marvel Universe, like, obviously it's very impressive. Like, Faggy's done a really good job of keeping things together and making sure most storylines make sense. But, like, I know so many people who are like, I stopped watching Marvel because I just don't get it. Like, I just can't keep up. I have to watch every single movie. And there's all these things about, like, Earth version 2.0 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, honestly, these are valid arguments. Like... I'm still enough of a fan that I do watch it and it all makes sense to me. But yeah, like when you bring in other dimensions or alternate universes or time travel, it makes it kind of can cheapen things as far as like specifically deaths. Yep. You know, there's all these fake deaths, which just kind of like sucks. And is something I would not want to see in Star Wars because I feel like the deaths in Star Wars and the impact it has on our characters is some of the most important pieces of it.
0: Like, I was thinking about it more and realized that, I don't know if they they always intended this or if they kind of realized what the problem would be. Because a lot of times Disney does drop more than one episode of a show the same night. Mm -hmm. I think if, like, the first night we had Ahsoka had ended with Sabine getting stabbed in the, like, it killed Qui-Gon, but it doesn't kill anybody else kind of way. And then we waited a week and there was a week of thinking she might be dead. I might not have kept watching. Like, I would be so angry at the, like are you trying to tell us she died or not? Yeah. And and yeah, so I, I agree with you. Like for the most part, Star Wars has really respected death. They're doing much better about that.
1: Um, Speaking of, I, I had to... a crazy conversation with my coworker this morning. Oh yeah? I totally. just went in to get adjusted. I work at a chiropractor. And he was like, one of the doctors was like, oh, have you seen the new Ahsoka show? I was like, of course. I record on it weekly. Like, it's so great. He's like, yeah, I watched the first episode last night. And I go... Just the first episode? He's like, yeah. I was like,
0: oh boy. what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I didn't have time to watch the second one. I like to go to bed by 9.30. I was like, so you just sat there with that cliffhanger? Like, you just let it sit? He was like, what cliffhanger? I was like, bro, you are clearly a casual fan. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he was like, oh, getting stabbed? Yeah, I mean, I'll find out. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Maybe I'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> Like, <laughs> i can't yeah. handle how casual you are about this <laughs>
0: there, there are people who do not live our lives and that, yeah. that is that is okay and uh, i'm gonna tell myself that but hold on i'll be right back okay. Sorry, <laughs> you're
1: good matthew can't hear me so i'm just here to tell you guys all that um the prequels are the best parts of star wars specifically the clone wars and matthew's coming back so i'm gonna shut up i am
0: not hearing a word you're saying
1: the words weren't for you matthew okay they were for the fans
0: okay (laughs) i'll I'll listen to them when i uh report to me my fear with something like this is always that people aren't gonna really get it if they haven't watched the show and it does seem like people who haven't watched rebels and clone wars are really enjoying this so far yeah i agree which i appreciate um i have had a number of people be very like wait why wasn't ahsoka fighting during the 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 the, the, you know star wars original movies like during the the galactic civil war and i had to be like okay it's this thing called the world between worlds and Honestly, like, it's a little annoying to be explaining it all the time, mm-hmm. but I kind of get why they have it. It's such a complex, esoteric thing yeah. that was clearly done to be like, why do you have this great character named Ahsoka who didn't fight in the, the wars? But yeah, it's better, I think, that we're kind of leaving it out. Yeah. Uh, last big thing, actually, I wanted to ask you about, and we have some listener feedback to talk about, is uh, what do you think of the Purgles?
1: Great. Yeah. They definitely look different than I remember them in Rebels. That being said, I've only seen the last season of Rebels once because it hurt me so deeply and so horribly that I wasn't willing to watch it again.
0: That's very fair. Um,
1: but yeah, they looked a little different, but overall, cool. Yeah. Appreciated I- them, loved seeing them. I loved that we addressed the emotional impact it had on Sabine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Because she hasn't seen them since Ezra and Thrawn disappeared.
0: Very much so. And I, I think that was really powerful to me.
1: I think in the show,
0: I mean, there's an extent to which when you say that the major plot point of the, the show finale is Space Whales, <laughs> it's a little bit like Eye Rolly. And they they set it up well throughout the whole season. And I think they don't like I mean, I was, they're all cartoonish uh, by definition. It's animation, but mm-hmm. I think we'd still use that as like they did always look a little bit like. Silly isn't quite the right word, but something like that. Somewhat majestic, but also somewhat, like, ridiculous. But that was part of the awesomeness, is that Ezra just has this great connection with 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 animal life and semi-sentient and even fully sentient uh, yeah. other beings. And I always worried, how would that translate to live action? And I felt like they made a conscious choice to make them seem much more majestic and otherworldly and, like, ethereal, almost. Yeah, yeah. So I think they were darker. I think we didn't see their faces as much, or really at all, I think, um, except for a brief moment or two. And I, it it gave a very different emotional tenor, but I felt like it really worked. Like, they felt like this, like, we are now in a world beyond what any of our characters understand that I really yeah. liked.
1: Yeah, I agree. Also, just on the purgle, um I, I've i been thinking about this, and I'm trying to remember what they're called. But um, when I saw the Purgle in Rebels, I was like, Aren't these kind of very similar to the Nibrae? If you remember, the Nibrae are basically space manta rays that mm-hmm. eat toxic waste. And they're in yes. like a few episodes of the Clone Wars where like Anakin has to take his squad through this really dangerous shortcut and you go through a herd of these mm-hmm. like Nibrae. And if they touch you, they're electric. So your ship goes down and all these things. So, like, when I first saw the Pergo, I was like, isn't this the same thing? But now, obviously, they've explained it more, and the things are definitely different. But I, just, I still think it's funny. I'm like, so space is basically the ocean? Yeah. Like, do we have <laughs> space octopods? Like, <laughs> space seahorses? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think to
0: some extent, especially space, but, but with these at least, hyperspace, especially. Yes, and, yeah, true. Like, this has never really been explained on screen because it's esoteric as hell, and I think it would be even more boring. Like... There are science nerds who are the way I'm political nerds who want to see this stuff the way I want to see the politics, probably to most of us. But it has been explained more in the books that hyperspace isn't about going faster. It's more I mean, it is, but it's more about going into a kind of like, I guess here it is a little bit of a different dimension, but it's a like uh, a, a kind of like network of pathways that that take you from different points in space time to different mm-hmm. t- points in space time it's like shortcuts if, yeah shortcuts and that it is kind of an other dimension or other world that theoretically nothing can live in but the pergol did live and they can come into our own world into regular space but they definitely live primarily in hyperspace in a way i don't yeah. think the the negro did but yeah definitely the they're the ma- these space man space fish that that are yeah. out there so it's kind of crazy yeah. Also love the little detail. We learned that not only is Jason alive and well and uh, a healthy little toddler, uh, oh. or, like, you know, looks like he's like five or six by now, uh, but he is being raised primarily by his best friend in the world, the person you definitely want to be influencing a young child who might have force powers. Love it. Chopper, Chopper. the War Criminal.
1: <laughs> and I should uh, say, yes. for,
0: those, for those who don't quite get why we call Chopper the War Criminal, I'm not sure how... E- I, think, I think it might have actually been said in the subtitles. I'm not sure... Um, uh but part of the conversation that Hera had with him in those first episodes, they were they had the thing attached to their ship and they were flying and Hera was saying like they can't drop it yet because they're over a bunch of civilians. And he basically indicates slash says why is that a problem. Yep. So if you understand that's the that, that's why we talk about him as a war criminal. Yeah. And um, I
1: mean if you Google Chopper Kill Count.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: By the time of the end of the show, he has 50,016 kills from, yeah. like, they say, like, espionage and sabotage. Because he just plants, like, bombs and sh- stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, well, now I want to know R2-D2's kill count.
0: Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of debate over whether, like, Luke has a higher kill count for destroying the Death Star. Uh, and there's all sorts of different nuances about how Chopper was more involved in those kill. I I, I don't get into it, but it's a, it's a whole other realm of internet debate around Star Wars that... Chopper's definitely in any conversation of the uh, highest kill count slash, um, mm-hmm. uh, high, high, uh, you know, fighting for the right side, but not necessarily the person you want designing the most ethical and moral strategy.
1: <laughs> okay, sorry. I just found a, a really great meme. It and okay. it's, what are Astromech's views on the Galactic Civil War? R2-D2 says, both sides have blood on their hands, but I fought to free to bring freedom to the galaxy. Chopper says, if they're Imperial, they deserve the burial.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like it i like
1: it <laughs>
0: all right i want to close with some great feedback we got yeah. uh someone who wrote in uh and i think that, like i got this right around the someone who wrote in uh after episode one and i think i haven't announced it publicly at the time they wrote that we're doing these episodes so i think they didn't even know that we're doing it which is awesome um but i'm so so glad they wrote in and that we can do their feedback now even though they're not gonna hear it for a couple months but i have let them know that and so they say, "Hello, Matthew!" Exclamation point! Exclamation point! My name is John Paul, but I go by JP. As a lifelong Star Wars fan, I was six months old when my parents took me with them to see *Empire Strikes Back*. I was eager to find a podcast that wasn't just fanboys reliving glory days or uninformed people pretending to be informed and spreading wild speculation. I think that's a great point. Um, we are uninformed people, yes. but we don't <laughs> pretend to be informed, and we are very honest for spreading wild speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, your Star Wars Universe podcast, they, they use the abbreviation "SWAP," which I appreciate, Yep, uh, absolutely fit the bill. I really enjoy listening to you and your guests Paul, Riki, Sarah, Matthew, Aaron, and Ashley discuss everything from lore, legends, canon, ethics, alternate points of view, and everything else. When you come back to podcasting about current Star Wars after the sag After strike ends... Well, I know you're obviously going to have a whole host of things of your own to discuss. I was hoping you and your co-hosts might lend your insights to a couple of story points, plot devices that have been brought up by Ahsoka up to this point. Well, good news for you. We are recording on it. And uh, happy to delve into feedback. And he asks, and JP asks a bunch of questions. And so I'm going to just kind of raise one or two with you now, but we'll keep going through these. So hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll get more feedback. So the first thing they ask is, why would the Knight Sisters have a map to Thrawn when his disappearance happened roughly fifteen years after the Knight Sisters were wiped out by Grievous and Dooku? My theory is there's not a map to Thrawn specifically, but a map of Pergo migration routes. And at Urza's urging, they simply took Urza and Thrawn with them to their next stop. The Knight Sisters have this map because their ancestors actually came from this other galaxy and had studied the Pergil over the millennia.
1: It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Honestly, I hadn't. I haven't put a ton of thought into it. Like, I guess I didn't fully catch that, like, that was specifically a Night Sister map. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, how I missed that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a great question. Because according to, like, Star Wars canon that's written in stone, the Sisters died during the right. Clone Wars. Right. Um, but as we're seeing now, clearly, not only did they not all die during the Clone Wars through, like, Marin and now Morgan, but... They're not all Dathomirian, and they're not all right. Zabrax. Right. So, yeah, it's a great point. And they're a very old people, just, like, considering that mm-hmm. they came from another galaxy. Like, they've always been very otherworldly compared to the rest of the galaxy. You know, they don't use the yeah. Force. They use magic. It's kind of right. the same, but it's different. You know, like, I and, feel and like... We do, yeah. Go
0: ahead. I was <laughs> saying, and we do have
1: confirmation
0: in some of the books that the Force exists in throngs world of chiss uh which is in kind of like it it may be in another galaxy it may be just kind of at the edges of this galaxy and another galaxy i think that like the the planet itself is in another galaxy but their space extends to kind of gray area in between Mm -hmm. but yeah that that they don't use those same words for it but something like the force exists and so yeah i think the we talked last time about the idea that there might be a lot of these um night sisters in different parts of the galaxy but maybe also in other galaxies so yeah, I think that it's a great question and that I hadn't thought of, but those are great uh, theories as well. And another thing uh, he says regarding this is, what is the connection between Thrawn and Morgan? There isn't one. She wants to enlist Thrawn's help to either crush the Empire as revenge for the destruction of her people, or crush the Republic to gain the Emperor's favor, or team up with one to crush the other. Thrawn has no idea she's coming.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Like, she has no connection to him. She's simply after the legend of Thrawn. Right, and like what Paramount she's so. heard of him, and I think it's significant that we've seen.
0: We don't know exactly when the timeline this occurs because, as I said, I'm re- recently, I'm currently rewatching the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett show with my partner Mary to help her get caught up so we can watch Ahsoka, and the I'd forgotten that the capture of Morgan Elsbeth happens um, in season one and uh is it season one yeah no no it's season two two yeah but but it's fairly early in season two Mm -hmm. and so there's a whole other season and a half that happens and then ahsoka starts while morgan elizabeth is being transported back to the new to coruscant for trial and all that Mm -hmm. so i think that this is happening kind of concurrent to mandalorian season two particularly that's gonna be relevant i think because sabine doesn't like all of what Bo-Katan and Mandalorian and and the Mandalorian do on Mandalore itself isn't relevant. It hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting thing to say, like, you know, where, where is this all happening in the timeline? And uh, where I'm going with that is that we do see later in that show that there are these Imperial groups that are somewhat working together, but somewhat working at odds with each other. And so it'd be interesting to kind of know where does Morgan fit into all of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that will be a discovery her character is just an enigma to me i'm like i don't really know what you want like when i was watching season two of the mandalorian i was like i don't understand why you're a bad guy like i don't really understand what you're doing right like other than oppressing these people i mean obviously don't do that um
0: (laughs) yeah her larger motives or why she was looking for thrawn were 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 pretty unspoken
1: and it still is like it's it feels very under wraps uh, to me. Yeah. She just feels like a very mysterious character. Like she's got a short temper. She has these allies she's working with, but she doesn't like them. Yeah. And she very just wants so. Thrawn probably for like power, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's like Reva and Obi-Wan. Maybe Thrawn did something bad to her. Yeah, Maybe she's could trying be. to track him down for her own like reasons, her own revenge.
0: Could be, could be.
1: Yeah. Great. So great questions,
0: AP. Thank you so much. Uh, Normally, at this point, I'd say, please keep sending us feedback about the show, but it's over now. But, um, you know, but also just for all of our listeners hearing it now, this is why, like, we love your feedback. Love to send it in. So uh, let's start wrapping up the show now. So at this point we had some technical difficulties. So at this point we had some technical difficulties, and the end of the show did not uh, get recorded. But let me just do the quick wrap up here. Erin, you can find as Lady Tano creates. She makes incredible content on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram. I, of course, am the Ethical Panda, and this is the Star Wars Universe Podcast. And at theethicalpanda.com. As well as in the show notes, you can find all the ways to contact us. Would love your feedback if you're hearing this and um, you know you've seen all of Ahsoka and you want to make comments on it or just this episode, send it in and we'll definitely be doing an Ahsoka feedback episode. Theethicalpanda.com or all the contact in the show notes. And most importantly, please think about becoming a member of the Ethical Panda Podcasts. For only five dollars a month, you get free free access to the ad free versions of both this and the ethical and the superhero ethics podcast. Uh, often, not this episode, but often you're going to get member bonus content at the end of episodes and it's just a great way to help support the podcast. So please think about becoming a member. Please let us know what you think. Send us all the feedback and have a great day.